0: welcome to the new life podcast on the stream grace network well awesome hey thanks everybody for listening in on the first ever new life podcast uh, here on the stream grace network and uh, i'm excited today because for the first uh, several weeks of this podcast we don't know how long because you know we're just led by god on all this but for the first few weeks, we are going to be recording this live in front of a studio audience, which is New Life Church in uh, South Oklahoma City. And uh, obviously, they didn't get the memo to be quiet. No, I'm just kidding. You don't, you don't have to be quiet. Uh, my guest today is uh, Pastor John Ewell. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. So this is going to be exciting because I'm a host today, but there's going to be days where you're a host. You know that, right? I do know. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> So what I want to talk about today, uh, we want to talk about legacy. I mean, it's Father's Day. As we record this, it's Father's Day. And the first thing I want to throw out there, because uh, my wife doesn't get to share her feelings on things a lot, although she's become quite the conspiracy theorist. Okay. Which is kind of exciting for me, because I've always been one. Sure. And all of a sudden, she starts sending me links. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) All right. But one of the things she always talked about is that churches tend to do this, and this is more of her growing up, but uh, that on Mother's Day... Mothers can do no wrong, right. right? They're the greatest thing, we love them. And on Father's Day, it's, you fathers suck! <laughs> you need to get your life right! <laughs> and it always bothered her, you know, because she's like, I, my dad's great! <laughs> right. My husband, uh, right. but my dad, <laughs> you know. I don't yeah. know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Being a pastor, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, right? When you think of women, you think of nurturing, and caring, and loving, and the men, come on, be macho type thing. Um, I think really, what's the underpinning of all that, though, is basically we know the importance of fathers. Yeah. And when we see an absence of fathers like we see in our culture today, there tends to be an urgency to rally the men, if you will, and mm-hmm. to challenge them to step up into their place in God and, and leading their family. So I can understand the motive behind it, not always uh, the way it, it pans out because sometimes we do come down a little heavy-handed yeah. on the men. Right. But uh, I, I do know that uh, they play a vital role in God's order of things. And when they're not present, uh, we know it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I explained to her that it's mostly men that are preaching that day, right? I mean, what are they going to say? Listen, guys, we're pretty great. <laughs> right. That is true. You know, this is yeah. awesome. I, you know, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Today, you're going to celebrate me. I mean, like, that's, not, that's not what we do. So, yeah. I guess what we need to do is we need to start having women Have preach, women
1: preach Father's on Father's day, day. day messages.
0: That would be That'd, interesting. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> right. right here. We got a year to figure out if this is a good idea. Or not. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things we want to talk about, because we are in, in uh, the first several weeks of this new podcast, we're going to be on the series called My Stories. And, and I thought it was so interesting when we start, you know, we have started working together in ministry. And I think what I've appreciated the most about this is that my firstborn, Gabe, when he was graduating kindergarten... I might get emotional. Oh my goodness! No, I'm doing good. Okay. Um, <laughs> when he graduated kindergarten, they were saying, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everyone said fireman, you know, right. space astronaut, and Gabe said worship leader. And I just remember thinking, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm emotional. Okay, um, I wasn't ready for that. Sure, I didn't expect that, right? right? And it was all public, so I probably was a bundle of emotions right there in the moment. But I remember having this feeling of, oh gosh, please no. Right, Because, you know, we've had, we've, you know, you've been in ministry, mm-hmm. you recognize that there it's, there's two sides to it all the time. And so it concerned me. But on the other hand, I was like, praise God. Right. Right. He sees my life. He sees what I do and he sees the value of it. And so as the story goes, here he is, he's doing ministry with me. He is a worship leader. And I promise I did nothing to encourage that. Right. <laughs> over the years. Sure. But you're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, at what point did you see that path that your son Johnny was gonna be on and how did you feel about that? Yeah, well,
1: uh, from a child, we knew there was, a, there was an anointing upon our son just through various things he would do and, and things he would say. Uh, as he got older, um, began to think about his future life. One day, he talked about being a pastor and my first reaction was, wait a minute, son, you need to know that God's called you to do that, not just because Dad does that, right? right? And so my challenge was, uh, praise God if that's God's plan, but make certain that God has called you because I know in ministry, at times that call is the only thing that holds you steady when everything right. else seems to be going yeah. crazy around you. And, um, and so that happened when he was at Southwestern College. He, he received a true call to ministry. I knew it when he came back from a mission trip. And thus, I could relax and know that he was in the hands of the Lord. I wasn't just following an unction because Dad did something. And so I can identify with, uh, you know, the joy you felt, and yet the tendency to be apprehensive <laughs> about, uh, don't do it just because I do it, right? right? And so I can rest assured knowing that God's called our son. Uh, and I'm thankful for that, that he is following the the call of God in his life, not because I was a pastor and he's pastoring, but because that's what God's will is for his life.
0: Right. And and that is such an important point I want you to speak to, because, in a, you know, we can look out over the last, and it's probably gone on for much longer, but I've only been around for 45 years. So when I look back at that, <laughs> you know, I see these, this legacy, it's one of the words we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. legacy. And it, and I think what's so crucial is you've seen churches handed down, Right. right? Right that's not always a good thing. Right. And, and I want you to kind of speak to that and how you look at it because here we are at New Life Church and you, you know, the building and the, and the congregations merged about a year ago. Right. And in that process, um, you, your legacy, you, you handed that out. But tell me a little bit about that process and how it came to be Johnny in that.
1: Well, I've always, I've always felt, uh, I, I, I've been sort of cut from a different cloth than what I would call a traditional minister. I didn't go through the cloning that most of them go through Bible school and being having my thoughts formed by a hierarchy, you know. I've just followed God. And I've always felt that my call wasn't just to a position as a pastor, but it truly was to shepherd and care for people. Yeah. And as a result, you invest in people. They become a part of you, you become a part of them. And uh, thinking as I begin to move into my younger, older years, because I'm really only 27. Right, You're, yeah, man. <laughs> but but uh, I did not want to show up here with this congregation that my wife and I have given 34 years of our life to, yeah. and say, in two weeks, I'm retiring, <laughs> right. good luck, right? right? I felt like I had put something in that I wanted to see continue. And so we begin to, that's when we began to pray for God to give us the next uh, level of leadership that we needed and went to Fellowship Church, and of course it all worked out where they felt called to do this. And uh, now I can be at peace Mm -hmm. knowing that this legacy is continuing, that the DNA that we have planted is continuing in this congregation. Because so often when a pastor just steps out, a new pastor comes in, you don't know what's gonna happen, right? Right. And generally you have fallout and you have all kinds of issues. So um, I just felt like this was the plan of God. You look in the Bible... Kings handed the position to their sons. Right, it came down through the lineage. Right, and I'm not saying that that's always the case because not not every pastor has a son called to ministry or a daughter called to ministry. Mm-hmm. But I think in that sense, it worked. It worked in our sense because of the calling. The, the young people, the young leaders that have been formulated through Fellowship Church. And that was what we needed going into the future yeah. as a congregation. So I
0: think that's a biblical pattern. I really do. Sure. And I think, I mean, we see that and then we see the variations, right? Um, God, I think what I love seeing in scripture is how God uses the uncommon scenario, right? right? I mean, David <coughs> slaying the giant, that's pretty uncommon. Um, the way that Moses, uh, his whole life walked, that's uncommon. And and so we don't hear if you if you look at the history of of scripture, you're not going to hear the normal, right? If you right. want to hear the the mundane and the average read numbers and follow the lineage, right? <laughs> right. They, he stops to tell a story when it right. deviates. right. And I think we get caught up in this. But I think what's understated is that even in the defaults, even in the normals, the the natural progression, there's still, god's blessing on it yes it's not just an automatic it may be this path we go but we still consult with the lord we ask him what do you want here sure and i think so i think that's important to note that because you know i feel like when when there is a deviation if we look historically at scripture and i I think about david i mean you know all of uh, jesse's kids he was not the one that's supposed to be there. (laughs) Right. Right. And, but God wanted him to be king. And it was just a whole process that kind of broke the traditional rules. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a healthy thing. Sure. It is. It is. It is a healthy thing. So in the terms of legacy, this is another thing. And and I brought up David, you know, a few weeks ago, I talked about David and Absalom uh, in service. And I think this is something that, we can't we can't forget that we are creating a legacy in everything we do. You know, I talked about Gabe wanting to be a worship leader when he was graduating kindergarten. Which, by the way, I'm sorry, I, graduating kindergarten. I'm gonna go on record as saying I think that's dumb. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I just have to say that I'm I don't know what you call a guy like me a jerk a jerk that's what it is but it's that's just come on yeah. you graduate high school you graduate college. Yeah that's it. Two graduations. I don't know how many caps and gowns I have from, but, but I think back to that moment and, Mm. and I recognize that for me, it was realizing that he's been watching and like, I know he was my kid and watching me, but watching something I didn't know he was watching. Right. You know what I mean? You don't think that your kids see what you're doing on your eight hour stretch of the day. That is true. And so I want you to talk a little bit about what you've learned about legacy, how you've seen it impacted in your life, but then also anything that comes to mind scripturally that you see the value of that. Well,
1: where do I go with that? Uh, (laughs) Biblically, biblically, God created the Father. A Father is one who creates life and sustains life. Mm. It's not just a word, Mm -hmm. it's not a position, It's it's a nature and a character that someone has toward others that if you create a life, you're to care for that life. And uh, in the biblical pattern, that father was the one responsible in the process of the growing and the development of those children to be the greatest influence. And we influence by our words. We influence by our actions. We influence just by our being, by the very essence of the character and nature that we that we impart, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that was that's the biblical pattern. Looking back over my life, thank God I had a father who came to Christ. He was came out of alcoholism. He had a powerful transformation. In fact, the first memory I have of my father is standing behind a pulpit in a church giving testimony of his deliverance from alcoholism. Mm. That's the first memory awesome. I have of him. <laughs> and he wouldn't tell me anything beyond that. He said, start there, son, because that's mm. where my life really started, right? And so it was over the years that whether he knew it or not, he was influencing me Mm -hmm. positively and negatively because we all have the process of growing, right? But by and large, the greatest legacy, the greatest impartation that he left to me was the legacy of faith, the knowledge of God, Mm. that life can only be lived fully through an experience with God. And he brought the family into that and he established the family in that. And that's sort of what I have wanted to carry on from the early days of our children being born. Annie and I, our primary purpose wasn't trying to think what can they do with their life educationally or you know, professionally, they need to know the Lord. Yeah. And to bring them to the knowledge of that, knowing that out of that everything else will springboard, right? And so I think when we think of legacy on Father's Day, the greatest legacy a father can give is a legacy of faith. Now that has to be vocalized, my dad talked about god all the time he would at times he would say i'd quote something he'd say son you know that's not in the bible don't you hmm. i said no i didn't i thought it was <laughs> right. so he he would he would take me to scriptures to to come to know what the, what does the bible say about that right uh, and then the very actions and the very Character that was displayed, always being faithful, always honoring your word. don't give your word and, and back down from it uh, right. do everything you can to, to follow follow your your word have character and the very things that he uh, that he epitomized in fact one of the little side notes here when he became a Christian as a child he grew up in a town over here called Kendrick, Oklahoma, just just north of Stroud and he he was a rebellious kid, didn't know anything about God, never went to church, didn't know anything about God. Once he came to Christ, he went back to his hometown and went door to door, knocking on, on people's doors, saying, mm. I'm Charlie Ewell. You know me. I gave my heart to Christ. I want you to know I'm the one that stole those chickens. I'm the one that stole oh, those wow. eggs. I did this. He felt like he needed to make
0: restitution yeah. for the
1: wrongs he committed. And that was how deeply his character was toward being honest and having integrity.
0: How did that make you feel when you heard that the first time or saw it or however that came about?
1: Well, the, the thing that really impacted me was when he made me do it. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, imagine it would. <laughs> when I had to live
1: that out, I had heard it. But to make a long story short, we were raised in a little, a little community, about 65 families working for a natural gas company. They housed us out there. So there's, there's a bunch of us boys grew up together. We had our own ball team. It was great. But we didn't have anything to do one day, so <laughs> I hate to say it. We went down through gardens and just started stomping on watermelons and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, terrible stuff, right? <laughs> and
0: uh, did you eat them or was it just no, total no, destruction? No, we just came kind of stomping
1: watermelons. It was, it was it's uh, terrible. How how low can you go, right? Didn't even eat. I it, want it, you to feel there. the I, I, condemnation I, I do again. I, I feel it, man. I feel it again. I feel it deep. <laughs> So Dad comes home, and he said, Hey, son, you know anything about uh, these watermelons in this garden? I said, Oh, no, Dad. I don't know anything about that, (laughs) right? He said, Well, we know it was you and these boys because you left your tennis shoe marks all over the place. (laughs) And you were really in that, weren't you, son? I said, Yes, Dad, I really was. He said, All right, come on. He walked me down the street. I had to go knock on that man's door and do what he did. I had to confess my sin, (laughs) tell him I did it, ask him to forgive me, and offer myself, to do whatever I needed to do to make restitution. Yeah. Well, he was gracious, he knew we had done it. He, he was glad that, that, that I acknowledged it. I don't know if the other guys did, but I had to. Yeah. And, and so, from that moment on, the impact of that is what I live by. I just believed you always stand up, be honest, integrous, and uh,
0: whatever it takes, you do it. You know what my takeaway from that story mm-hmm. is? The amazing detective work of parents back in the yeah. day they just knew Cause they, they saw from your shoes. They just, they, they, didn't, just knew. they didn't check out the live <laughs> cam feed. <laughs> right. right? No cam. They didn't, they didn't pull it up from the cloud and go, Oh, well there he is right yeah, there. there. it is. They walked out there and like, I know those I know size those. nines. <laughs> like I, I got that. <laughs> right. That's, That's no, true. no. But I, you know, what's yeah. funny too, I was thinking about this because uh, my, my stepdad, I call my stepdad. It's confusing. I'll explain. He adopted yeah. me, blah, blah, blah. But, and I don't mean to make light of that. Um, but I, I, one summer, I kind of did the same thing. Kids, and this is something I have to remember of my own kids. They don't think. Right. They don't think past. Wouldn't it be cool if? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and my buddy came out and said, hey, there's a guy mowing the creek behind, the like a city worker, yeah. mowing the creek behind the, the houses. Let's throw eggs at him. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can hit, like, yeah. not him, but the big tractor, you know? Sure, I understand. My dad comes home that day, and uh, I had to write a letter. I don't know how he knew about it because I don't know how yeah. he knew. Somebody told, I guess. But I had to write a letter because uh, part of the story here, my dad worked for the city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Okay. And I didn't think to, probably probably the guy said, "Hey, your son was throwing eggs at me." Right. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but but I want to I want to go and I want to touch on that because um, I have never known. Like I don't know my biological father. Never met him, and I remember the. Um, First time, like I always assumed, fatherly love came. It was like mom's love, right? right? I had no frame of reference. I had never knew a distinction. Even within my stepdads, they kind of seemed similar. It was different, you know. Um, but when I became a father, man, that's the first time God just woke me up. He's, I was. I remember just hearing uh, the heartbeat of Gabe in the ultrasound. Um, and that was where it really hit me. I was like, wow, I like love this person already. You know, <laughs> that was weird to me. I sure. couldn't even make sense of it. Sure. And then when he came and, and I remember God saying, can you imagine how I feel about you? Yeah. And that was the first revelation to it. But what was so interesting is uh, one of my first times to ever speak on stage uh, was a Father's Day service. And I was asked to preach on a Father's Day. Mm. It was coincidental. Mm-hmm. And it's funny today is Father's mm-hmm. Day. But I found it so interesting cause I thought of the most unqualified people. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Y- you know, sure. but what I realized is how many people in my life had been fathers to me.
1: Okay. Right. And,
0: sure. and that term spiritual father, I, I really rejected the idea of spiritual parents for the longest time. And I'm not sure why I think maybe just to say maybe it was overused or something, yeah. but, but ultimately I could point to people in my life who had impact on me and in a lot of ways I can't speak to what it was like to grow up with a father. Um, that was my dad, you know, but, but man, I feel like I have such an advantage being able to, to glean from so many. Sure. And I, and I think this is something that really I want to be the crux of what we, we kind of focus in on today is you may not be a father, but you can be a spiritual father or a spiritual influence in people's lives. And it's not just for men, that's for women too. Legacy is about, you know, sowing into the next generation. Sure. Sure. And that so can you tell me a little bit about maybe someone who's had spiritual impact in your life and then who you have seen spiritual impact or you've been an impact to them. I know it's sometimes hard to talk about who we've blessed and who we've spoken to because you're <laughs> humble. But I, but I think it's important to, yeah. to the intentionality of it, the, the opportunities that you created to make sure you were available to people.
1: Right, sure. Well, of course, uh, when I think of other influencers, uh, primarily because our... Dad brought us into church, ministers, different, uh, even, even some peers uh, that were spiritually more advanced than I was that would speak into my life was, was great and helpful. Uh, I think of some coaches that I played sports with. Um, And probably, I think the one that probably influenced us more than anyone else is the one that we were saved under in California when we truly committed our hearts to Christ, and he shepherded us and brought us into the uh, knowledge of the Holy Spirit and things like that. I always revered him and respected him um, and was thankful for he and his wife for the influence they had. Um, So I would say probably from a spiritual perspective, because most of my life has been lived in the context of of the environment of a church, is, Mm -hmm. is... uh, other pastors or uh, peers that uh, I've uh, I, I have one right now I, his name is Carrie. he's probably one of the greatest influences on in my life we meet at least once a month and usually more often than that just to have
0: interaction to talk to pray so even today Even today. see yeah. I think that's something people yeah, forget Right. I mean even at 27 you're still yeah, seeking 27. people out I'm, I'm still needing that's help strong. that's good
1: <laughs> yeah uh, and fortunately, that was formulated that relationship's been formulated probably almost uh, 25, 30 years ago. So, and wow, we've continued before you it. were born. Even. Yeah, practically before I was born. <laughs> in fact, you're right. It happened while I was in my mother's. There it was. You are so, you are so observant.
0: <laughs> and people say I'm and not good at math. And people say you're not good at math, yeah.
1: <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm thankful for those that have influenced me And I still look for influencers, you know, some remotely, some I I listen to different ministers throughout the week that that impact my life through what they have to say and always seeking a word from the Lord through people that can help me where I'm at, where I'm walking at. And I find out that the Holy Spirit who directs our life Feeds into our life continually if we're open to that. He'll speak into us to whatever our situation is. So I'm thankful for that. And then, of course, uh, I I think primarily that we were able to influence our children in the ways of the Lord. And then, of course, people that we've interacted with over the years in ministry. I'm just... uh, um, I hope that, uh, when I leave this body and my body may be here somewhere, uh, maybe there's more than one or two people that will show up to say, thank you. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because, uh, I, 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 do value the fact that we do have an opportunity to make an influence on people mm-hmm. and we need to make the right one and, and, uh, as, as graciously
0: as we can yeah. <laughs> do what we can to help them to know the Lord. Well, I want to encourage you in this. The first time that you and I met, um, I mean, I don't remember the specific circumstance. I just know that you, you came into my life on the very periphery um, about 15, I don't know, more like 20 years ago. And uh, I was working at another church in the conference and I remember doing things uh, at the conference level. I believe you were on the conference board right. at the time. And it you stuck out to me so much among those guys there. Um, I always remembered your name. I couldn't tell you except for one other person who was on that board. (laughs) So, so I say that to say that, um, the influence that you had over me, I remember just always, when your name would come up, I'd go, man, I love that guy. Hmm. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't know anything specific. I just knew in my guts and my spirit and I saw what you did to avail yourself to people. Hmm. And, and I think this gets into pastor stuff, right? Hmm. So you speak in general terms, Again, it's a good mark of humility, and I appreciate that about you. Because the reality is, is that when you make yourself available all the time, it becomes very general, right? You don't necessarily have to target and put on the calendar, today, make myself available for this person. Sure. Right? You're not going to do that. You're going to make yourself available all the time. Right. And I think this is a lesson that I'd like, you know... I want to learn. I want to keep doing and, and do more of. Um, but I want, you know, you said a minute ago, as the Spirit gives you these opportunities. Right. And I think this is something that we really miss as the body of Christ, mm-hmm. that everyone has the opportunity to leave a legacy. I remember this kid. <laughs> when I got saved, it was radical. Okay. Right. I was like 15, 16. My, my uh, grandma gave me a Dakes Bible. And that was my first Bible, this massive annotated <laughs> right. Bible um, that has a lot of racist stuff in it. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, but I remember just diving deep into this thing mm-hmm. and I would bring it to school with me every day and would read it. And when I was done with my schoolwork, cause you know, I was done with my schoolwork I did, I was a good kid. Um, and so I remember, I don't remember what class it was, but there was this guy that sat next to me. We never talked about the Bible, but always had it. And, you, that's it. The, like, to me, there was nothing, right? No, no, no uh, interaction. Um, it was two, three years after graduation. So this is probably 10th grade, and I was out of class with him. You know? I never right. saw him really again. I met Taco Bell in Midwest City, and he comes in, and he calls me by name. I haven't seen this guy in four or five years. Right. And I might get emotional again. I hate that. <laughs> but he calls my name, and he is lit up. He is glowing and he runs to me and says, I got saved. Wow. (laughs) He said nothing else. He didn't say, How are you? It's been a long time. He said, Jeremy, I got saved. Right. And I thought, now who are you? (laughs) (laughs) no i I recognized him right away but what's crazy is you know we talk about i love this the the scripture it says you'll be known in heaven as you were on earth Mm -hmm. and i see these are the moments because i always thought about that i'm like yeah but i knew this guy named brian chavez when i was seven and i never saw him again in my life he played on my baseball team i'm not gonna recognize him if he goes to heaven sure but same with this guy right he comes to taco bell i saw his spirit Right. My spirit left. I'm reminded of John in the womb. Right. When he when you know they come together and it's like, oh, Jesus is over there, right? <laughs> they didn't see each other. Right. But their spirits connected. Right. And this is the thing that's been so amazing to see when when you intentionally, you don't have to be intentional and say, today I'm gonna like I said, put it in my calendar. Sure. But when you get up and you're like, God, how can you use me today? And more importantly, not say hey, you don't want him to tell you. Yeah. Because what are you going to do? If he says <laughs> at three o'clock, I'm going to set yeah. up a meeting for you. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to get there about, if you're a good Christian, about 10 o'clock, <laughs> wherever that's going to be. And you're going to be like waiting. You're going to have a <laughs> cup of coffee. And you're like, well, well, I better go to the bathroom now because I don't want to. And, and you're going to try sure. to make this thing happen. Yeah. But when we get up and we live this spirit-filled life and we say, God, mm-hmm. I just want to do what you want me to do right, right. now in this moment, right. and I'm going to purpose that every second. I'm going to be attuned. I'm going to listen. What do you want to say? How do you want to use me in the moment, mm-hmm. not for the whole day? Sure. And, and it's moments like that. And yeah. so I started on this rant to encourage you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because you did that in my life. Uh. You did that in my life. And yeah. and I can tell that story of all these different people who've ministered to my life. Dwight Burchett was one sure. who spoke into my life without knowing it, right? right? And right. pastors do that a lot, right? Right. But it's so often in the context of Sunday morning. Right. But I yeah. believe with everything that's in me, the real impact happens when stuff like I just described, I brought my Bible to a, a sociology class every day and then yeah. some kid is totally not transformed by that. Right. but he can't wait to share sure. what happened. Sure, that is so true. I had a similar experience, if I may share it quickly.
1: Please. Um, one of these young boys that I grew up with in this camp, played ball together, his name is Steve. Uh, we'll get a
0: little emotional thinking about it. Hey, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> we can hug afterwards um, yeah, if you we'll want. Yeah, <laughs>
1: we'll Have you seen that new hug thing they've got out now, sort of electronic thing? No. Remotely give a hug. Yeah, you can do it. You can get. You're one. lying. No, I'm not telling. I'm telling you the truth. I told Annie about it the other day. You, you can virtually give a hug now. You Cox, you can get it through Cox. You buy it and put it on here, and it's 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 an electronic thing, and I can be. You can be remotely. I don't believe you. This is the truth. You, this is the truth. You can be in your house. I can be in my house. We can be uh, interfacing Zoom call, and I've got my rep on. You've got your rep on, and, and it lights up. There's this electronic thing that gives a hug.
0: Check it out. No. Yes. I it's am afraid. True. I, I am afraid of what might come up if I search for that. Where, where did that? Come? There is no way. You want to send me a link? That's fine. Okay. That. Okay. Where did that come from? I don't my know, but it? that is well. That is weird. It is weird. I'm i am, my wife, Isn't that
1: crazy? Well, it's weird but to anyway. me that it's
0: from a cable company. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you had have said, you know, Apple, the Apple iHug. <laughs> hug. Yeah. Okay, again, I get it. Or Samsung anyway. hug. Where was I at? I was with Steve. You were with Steve.
1: <laughs> Getting emotional. We went back to our class reunion, uh, 50th graduating class reunion. I'm sorry. I, we, we can't That's go right.
0: on. That's weird.
1: I'm sorry. A digital hug? It's a wrap. It's a wrap you put on, and you can interface like with a Zoom call. And if each of you have one of these... Do you, you hug could, yourself? You hug yourself, and, and the then thing it hugs. lights up, and it must send some kind of frequency. I don't know. It, it's sort of like maybe what... You know, you can get your your home, your entire home secure through Cox now, right? <laughs> so it must tie in somewhere. That's why Cox That's is even cooler because yeah, it's, really like, it's like it's like HomeKit. You walk in, and, and, yeah. You, you get tell it when I when I walk in, hug me. An electronic hug, right? And then it just right. closes the garage door, comes yeah. down, lights just, come on, and you and get a y- hug.
0: You get a hug. I love it. <laughs> I check it out. It's there. All right, sorry. I,
1: I about fell out of my chair. This podcast anyway. <laughs> is not officially sponsored by Cox Communications, <laughs> right.
0: but it, we are open to it. Getting so. back to Steve. Getting back to Steve.
1: So. So I hadn't seen him in, what, 50 years. And so at this reunion, I was asking one of our class historians who knows everybody and everything about everybody if he knew where Steve was at.
0: <laughs> Wait, you said class historians <laughs> yeah. with air quotes. Is that like a gossiper? Yeah, no, no. He, oh. he, just, <laughs> no, knows everything he just knows. He just knows. Okay, and, he, and he
1: blogs about it and all this kind of stuff. I said, do you know where Steve lives? He says, last I heard, he was living in Ruidoso, New Mexico. And so I you know, found him. He's an uh, agent there, a, a real estate agent. And so we, did, we purposed to go through Rui Doso just to reconnect. And so when we got there, I called him. I said, hey, Steve, this is John Yule. He said, you're the first one that told me about Jesus. Oh, wow. That's the first thing he said to me, 60 years, or 50 years. You're the first one that told me about Jesus. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> As kids, you know, <laughs> we talk about going to church and things. Yeah. So when we met, I mean, he was glowingly saved had a supernatural baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit, wow. spoke in tongues, all this, I mean, just unbelievable testimony. And so it was great to reconnect with him, but to think back that as a kid, mm-hmm. I did something to influence him toward Jesus Christ that somewhere later on it took, yeah. and he recognized me for that. And boy, that was very, very encouraging. And I I think, you know, when we think of Father's Day, we can say, okay, uh, 10 great qualities of being a good father, right? Well, the best quality is just live every day in the character, nature, and love of God. Just Mm -hmm. be the presence of the Lord, right? In, In most unassuming ways. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit can take every little thing and work it out. For whatever he wants to do. Hmm. And so it takes a lot of the pressure off. Sometimes we don't like to come to church on special days because we're going to get preached at. Right. And we got more pressure added on being a quality father. Well yeah. just love God, love people, just be an expression of Christ. I think that's how the Lord works. It's sort of an osmosis right. thing. It just happens, right? You
0: know how hard it is to do it wrong when you're hearing the voice of God that, and obeying? Yeah,
1: right. It's just walking, walking hard. Just walking out <laughs> what he's put in your heart to do, right? Yeah. And just be who you are in him, right? And that's the greatest impact we can make.
0: Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Man, I didn't think I was going to tell this story today, but I feel like it's, it's, it's important because I think, too, man, I have seen the Holy Spirit go so far out of his way to make sure I do <laughs> what he wants me to do for mm-hmm. my own good. Right. And, you know, one of the things I, I think our current generation, and I've talked about this on several other podcasts, but the generation that's like 30 and under, 35 and under, they have such weight and pressure to change the world. Mm-hmm. They, they watch a YouTube channel that has 40 million views and it's just a random person. And they think, well, I'm a random person. Why don't I have 40 million views? And our whole world it revolves around number of likes and friends and all this junk that's just not real. Right. And what I often tell them is the greatest impact you'll ever make, you'll probably never know about it. We've just told right. two stories.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Something that had happened to me that was an impact I had that I never knew I was going to have No way I'm going to be able to tell the story without crying. (laughs) I was uh, 16 years old going to a church of about 30 people. And I had chased my wife to that church, Lori, uh, as nice Christian young men do. Yes. You change churches to date somebody new. Um, (laughs) That's not the part we're going to cry about. But (laughs) Anyway, there was this lady there, and I was just getting into music stuff. and, And there was this lady who came up to me, and she said, I wrote this poem, and she had to have been probably close to 60 at the time. And she said, I wrote this poem. If you ever have writer's block, maybe you can put music to it. Cause I was writing a lot of songs. Mm. And so I was nice about it, but in my mind, I didn't have any intention of doing anything with it, you know, but I took it and it was, you know, I read the poem and everything. I, I, I paid attention to it, but I set it in my piano bench and went on with life. A few weeks later, I was having writer's block And I know now the Holy Spirit was telling me, but I instantly thought of this poem. Mm -hmm. And now I recognize, like I said, the Holy Spirit's like, boom, there it is, right? Right. So I, I pull this poem out and I set it up there and I write music to it. And... I was, you know, it wasn't the greatest song in the world, but I thought, well, this is cool. And, and since it was a 30 member church, it was really easy to get up and sing specials. Remember when we did sure. specials, oh, right? yeah. <laughs> so I was like, can I do a special? <laughs> so I wanted to surprise her. Her name was Pat. And uh, so I got up and I sang this song and it took her a little bit to recognize that it was her song, you know, but just blessed her. Sure. And I, and it just felt so good. You right. know, you, you want to do good for people. And I always tell people if the story ended there, it'd be a good story, but it doesn't in there. So, you know, fast forward two years later, I'm going to another church, uh, still dating Lori and now we're married. So that was the end of that process of finding a new church. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) this, uh, I felt called, how cool is that to a church (laughs) yeah. (laughs) and was ministering in their youth group as a youth worship leader. I was, uh, probably 19 years old. No, yeah. 18 or 19. And, um, my friend Dave was my drummer, and he he had gone to this church with me as well and so he he said, "Hey, my mom told me that Pat has cancer mm. and I said, "You know I was like not happy about that obviously and and so we were actually at the church that day with our youth band recording music and and he suggested we record her song I said that's a great idea mm. so we recorded her song sent it on a cassette tape yeah right <laughs> okay. um, to her in the mail and a few weeks later we get. A letter back, and it just said she she had been going to Texas for treatment. Mm. She said, "Hey, uh, you know, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but we listen to this tape every day after treatment, mm-hmm. and it just ministers to my soul. And thank you." Yeah, I, man, the awes are gonna start me up. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Again, if the story ended there, sure, it would be a great story. Mm-hmm. Ten years later. <laughs> No Oz (laughs) (laughs) from the crowd. Um, (laughs) 10 years later, I get word. She's passed away. Yeah. And, um, I get word from my drummer, Dave, who we're not playing together anymore, but that day we, we went to the funeral together with our wives. And the first thing I noticed when we went in is, you know, keep in mind, she was almost 60 probably when I did this. So this is like 15 years later. So she'd have been in her seventies for sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I noticed there were just, first of all, it was a funeral. had about 400 people. It was huge. But the vast majority of them were young people. Mm. And I thought, that's really odd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's truly the most humbling (laughs) reality. Yeah. Yeah. So we started to to go through the funeral motions, right? You know, everybody's just talking. You sit down and uh, they start playing this really, really bad funeral music. And it was then I realized that that was the recording we sent her. Wow. And it's right before they start. Wow. And I was very embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. But they didn't preach a message about Pat's life. They told the story of two young men who took the time to record.
1: Yeah, and that's something. Wow, that's
0: awesome, man. And how, <clears throat> as a result of what these two young men did, she devoted her life to young adults. Praise God. And that's why that room was filled with so wow. many young people. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Now, <clears throat> I could have not even gone to that funeral. Sure. And would have never known. That's right. And I have spent a lot of years trying to make impact in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Thank you. Where's that electric hug thing? <laughs> it's on order, right? It's on order. <laughs> I've spent years of my life wanting to make an impact in the kingdom and, and coming to church on Sunday and leading worship, and I do it with my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't imagine I've ever had the kind of impact that I had in her life. The crazy thing is, John, that maybe, just maybe, there's actually bigger impact that I don't even know about. Sure, probably is. But to know just that little thank you, God, to show me. Mm-hmm. The things that I looked at as trivial and meaningless that took me five minutes to do changed the lives of hundreds of people. Sure, sure. And I think when we talk about legacy, Mm -hmm. it cannot be understated that the only way to be successful, we've already said it, but the only way to be successful in leaving a powerful Lasting legacy is to simply hear the voice of God yeah. and obey. Obey the voice of God.
1: Yeah, and thinking again, using the definition of a father—one who creates life and gives life—you fathered her. Yeah. You you created something uh, off of her poem, a song that you imparted into her life for many years, and that song sustained her, and obviously influenced many, many young people through the impact that that fathering you had toward her. So you don't have to be a biological father to father. Right. You can father by imparting something to someone and sometimes sustaining it by affirming them, complimenting them, whatever the mm-hmm. situation might be. And sometimes you may not even know that you're doing it, which is great. Yeah. But I think that's that essence of the heart of God that he puts in us uh, to go and to impart love and joy and peace. And we're, we're, we're depositing things into people that to a degree fathers them at their point of need, perhaps, encourages them, helps them, and sustains them. And so you've got a lot of kids. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm glad there's not laws for this. <laughs> well, well, John, yeah. man, thank you so much yeah. for being a part of this first episode. Hey. And I want to thank our studio audience for being a part of the first episode. Um, this was just awesome. And I yeah. appreciate your heart for ministry and your heart for people. Uh, much love to you, and thanks again. Appreciate you. God bless you. Right, God bless you.